So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to pick up with verse 7. And we're going to pick up and go all the way to verse 15 by grace and faith. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 7. Paul said, did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge. I robbed other churches taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I'll keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows. But what I do, I will continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the, bo- in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves in the apostles of Christ, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing that if his ministers also transform themselves into the ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Let's pray for our spiritual meal. Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. And I thank you, Father, it's filled with the nourishment that we need today. We're going to open our heart, receive it by faith, and be blessed by it. Holy Spirit, again, we depend upon you as the spiritual teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person that's listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what's being said. Father, I thank you that you have something to say that each of your children will walk away hearing from you exactly with what they need. And only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, go to verse 7 and we're going to start unpacking this. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? We've been in the midst of the section of 2 Corinthians where Paul is dealing with false teachers. And so Paul had come and preached the grace of God. They had received Jesus, got filled with the Holy Spirit, had been grounded on the principles of the new covenant, of the new creation. And then Paul left as an apostle. You start and establish a work, you raise up leadership, and you move on. And as soon as he moved on, right on his heels, the enemy sent in false teachers, ones that claimed to be apostles, and they claimed to be sent from Jerusalem. They had letters of recommendation, forged letters from the leadership in Jerusalem saying they were the approved ones to minister for them and no one else. And they were bragging about their pedigree, uh, bragging about their abilities and who they knew and what they did. And they'd actually were trained teachers. They had been to the school of rhetoric and they knew how to hold an audience and they were good communicators. And so they were just very polished, but they were teaching false things. And so Paul's going to bring out, he says, you know what, just because someone on the surface looks like they sparkle does not mean it's God. And he's going to bring out the very end that these guys, not just are they false, but they're ministers of Satan. And you've just accepted ministers of Satan in your congregation and, have, and, and are, are celebrating them and excluding the true ministers of God that God has for you. 
We're going to find out how could they get to a place where Paul the Apostle is being rejected and in their place, ministers of Satan are now being accepted in the church. We're going to find out what, what happened there. And, and, and that's going to help us keeping us from ever that happening to us. Tell someone that's not ever going to happen to you. So in the previous verses, Paul talked about that these false teachers, they were very polished in their speaking. And he says, Paul said, I've never, I've never gone to the public school of speaking. I'm not a very good trained speaker, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm not weak in knowledge. But I have revelation knowledge. And that's really what we need to be looking for. Instead of someone having something that's pleasant to hear them, what is the content of their ministry? Is it bringing insight? Is it sound doctrine? Is it going to bring and build us up in our faith? Is it going to point us to Jesus in his finished work? That's so important. And so you can trust God to become a better speaker. But before that, you need to trust God for revelation to be able to minister to the people. Okay? So that, did I commit a sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? Now, basically, the false teachers are saying, well, Paul preached to you free of charge. He must not have been a very good speaker. And hold on to that. We're going to talk about the culture of the day. You'll understand what he's talking about. But first of all, Paul said, did I commit a sin in giving the gospel away for free? You know, Andrew gives the gospel away for free. You know, all the tapes and stuff like that. And, and none of our messages are for sale. And we don't do tapes anymore and CDs anymore. You can go on our website, riverrockchurch.net, and download every message for free. We don't charge for any of that. And so we, we give the Word of God free. And, and, and Andrew, for years, have been given actually physical products away. Do you know someone actually well-known in the ministry called him up and said, uh, Andrew, I want to let you know God told me to tell you you're in sin for giving away your products. That's nothing new. They basically said that to Paul. That was a charge. He's answering a charge. Did I sin? Are you saying I'm in sin because I preached the gospel freely? I didn't charge for it. And, and the answer is no. And so he says, did I commit a sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted? You know, that's how the kingdom works. The kingdom is based on serving, on, on humility and serving, and, and so that other people can be exalted. And so Paul brought, is bringing the kingdom a kingdom, and the world's kingdom is opposite than God's kingdom. And, and in the world's kingdom, it's who you, can, who you can become in the eyes of people and how many people serve you, how many people adore you, how many people follow you, how many followers you have. It's all about that. But in the kingdom, it's how many people can I serve? And how many people can I cause them to be exalted, cause them to go up, and what God's called them to do. That's kingdom ministry. Raise your hand if you're a minister. Every one of you should have your hands up. You're all men. I'm here to equip ministers. And if you're not a minister, that means you're not saved. We'll hook you up. After the service, we'll, we'll lead you to the Lord. And then guess what? You're born again into the ministry. You're a minister. And so the kingdom DNA for a minister, you're here to serve, not to be served. Jesus said, I came to be served. <clears throat> oh, clueless. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. 
And so that's kingdom. And, the apostles, and, and these false teachers, were, they had come exalting themselves and demanding that they be served, demanding they be supported. And Paul's bringing the kingdom, and it's totally opposite. And the Corinthians have not had a renewed mind to the kingdom, how the kingdom works. And Paul's bringing them into discipleship. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you may be exalted? That's the whole purpose of ministry is seeing people exalted, lifted up in every area of life. Their, their, uh, their, uh, their ministry, their health, their prosperity. Uh, that's the goal of ministry is that your life would become more of a billboard for Jesus. That you would prosper. But why should you prosper so that you can use the finances for the kingdom? Why should you be promoted in the kingdom so that you have a greater influence to serve other people? And so that's the whole goal. And Paul's, Paul's ministering so they can be exalted. Because I preach the gospel of God to you free of charge. He said, I humbled myself. Really what he's talking about is that when Paul came, instead of demanding offerings, demanding support, he worked with his hands. And what did he do? He's a tent maker. He worked with his hands tent making. Do you know back in that day, we, they had blue collar and white collar? They had lawyers back there. They had, they had the white collar. But Paul had, was a blue collar worker. And, and back in that day, among the culture of the Greeks, they looked down on blue collar workers, the ones that worked with the sweat of their brow, with their hands. And Paul just worked with his hands. He's a blue collar worker. And Paul worked in the ministry to support himself. And many were looking down. The high brows of Corinth looked down on that. But Paul made tents. And so he said, I preach the gospel of God to you free of charge. Look at the word preached. He preached the gospel of God. Why? When he was first coming, he operated in the office of an evangelist. Because when he first got there, he needed to preach the gospel to get people saved. And once people got saved, then they need to be taught. So then he operated in the, as an office of a teacher. He raised them up and then raised leadership up over them. And he would leave and he'd go into a new area. And then he would enter into evangelistic ministry and preach the gospel. And he says, wherever I went to preach the gospel, I would not take up offerings. So that I would not cause anybody stumbling stone. Well, you're just in it for the money. I don't want this Jesus. You're just after the money. So I'm going to take that totally out of the way. And whenever I preach the gospel, I'm going to do it freely. That was totally opposite than those that were traveling ministers of the day. And we're going to talk about that. The gospel is free. Why is the gospel free? Is it because it's cheap? You know why the gospel's free? It's because it's priceless. There, you can't put a price on it, so God gives it free. It costs him everything to give it to you, the life of his son, the blood of his son. And so it's free. Paul did not charge for his services. He ministered freely the gospel of God. If the Corinthians paid Paul for his teaching, then they would be free to take it or leave it or demand that he augmented that teaching to, his, to their liking. If he was their paid minister. And back in that day, people would travel around in the Greek world. They, they were very big on oratory in the Greek culture. There were schools of rhetoric. And you would go to school to learn how to speak and how to reason and so there were traveling teachers that would be paid high sums of money. The better, the better they were, the higher sums that they demanded and got for their services. And Paul went around and said, I'm not going to be numbered among them. This is not a business. I'm not in the business of ministry. 
But I'm, I'm here as a minister, and I'm ministering not to take from you, but to give to you. Paul was not a hireling. Look in John 10, look at verse 12. Jesus talks about the difference between a true shepherd and a hireling. Is it warm in here? Raise your hand if it's warm in here. Can we lower a little bit the temperature? Thank you. I thought it was just the anointing. <laughs> Sorry to hear that it wasn't. So. All right. John 10, look at verse 12. Jesus said, but a hireling. Say a hireling. hireling. That's just one that's, that's in it for the money. But a hireling, he is not a shepherd. One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming. He leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and doesn't care about the sheep. These false teachers were among them, not because they, care, they cared about the Corinthians. It's what they could get out of the Corinthians. I'm here today ministering to you because I care about you, not what I can get out of you. That means I'm not your hireling. I'm full-time at the church now. And, I, and I'm thankful for that, but I'm not receiving finances in order for me to placate you and to say things that you want to hear. I'm here to give you God's messages to cause you to, to grow, to be challenged, and to be benefited, and I'm not going to augment it for some that don't like it, because I'm not a hireling. And when the wolf comes, I'm going to stand between it and you and fight it off in the name of Jesus. Amen. They're not going to come in here. I'm not going to run. In Paul's day, if a speaker did not accept compensation for speaking, he was often regarded as an amateur or just a poor speaker. Just starting out, you know, I'm, I'm practicing here. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a student driver and so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to charge. I'm just getting some practice here. And that's why they basically called Paul. I mean, obviously, he's just an amateur, just, just starting out. If his speaking did not deserve compensation, the idea of what he, that what he had to say really wasn't worth anything. Back in Paul's day, there were professional speakers that made their business by making speeches. Paul came ministering the gospel of grace. He was not into the entertainment business. You know, there's a lot... In the, there's some in the body of Christ, they're more into entertainment Amen. and getting a following than actually ministering. Amen. Now, I believe you can minister and you can be interesting. And you can be fun. And you can be funny. But then that opens people's heart up so you can put the medicine in. It's anesthetic. So if, I, if you're laughing, you're about ready to get some, an operation. <laughs> Since teachers, philosophers, and orators in ancient times were expected to charge for their services in proportion to the skill and their gifting, Paul's refusal to accept financial support from the Corinthians exposed him to the accusation of being a fraud. The Corinthians evaluated a speaker by how much money demanded from his audience. A good speaker would charge a large sum. A fair speaker would be cheaper. A poor speaker would speak for free. Since Paul hadn't asked for money, some accused him of just being an amateur. 
The intruders, the false teachers, have put Paul in a no-win situation. If Paul received money, they'd say, oh, well, you're just in it for the business. If he doesn't take it, it says, well, obviously what you have is not worth listening to anyway. They, there's a no-win situation. If you're out for people's popularity and you want to win over every single person and you care about every person's opinion and you're going to try to, to, try to, to change yourself to get liked by everybody, that's a no-win situation. Why don't you focus on pleasing Jesus? And when you please Jesus, you'll please the right people. And when you please Jesus, you'll displease the right people. Add to the fact that he added manual labor, tent making, which was looked down upon. His reputation wasn't very good. Don't seek to win people by their popular opinion. Today, there are some professional speakers in pulpits, and it's a business for them. Most are not that way, praise God. Most aren't. Beware. Say beware. beware. Tell someone beware. beware. I don't always use that word. <laughs> beware of anyone who places an emphasis on money while promising to give you spiritual benefit in return. Beware. Beware. You turn on TV, and you're going to find some that are going to promise you spiritual benefit in exchange for a seed. Now, there is benefit in sowing seed. It is scriptural to sow seed, but it's because you're blessed not to get a blessing. You've been blessed by grace already. You've been blessed with everything God has. He's already blessed you with it. You're a child of God, and he's already given you his inheritance. Everything is inheritance has already been given to you freely by grace. You don't have to pay one red cent or red denarii or denarius to get it. Well, pastor, where's that? Ephesians. Chapter 1, look at verse 3. Ephesians 1, look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How, how come you can get blessed because God's blessed? You can't bless somebody out of what you don't have. Tell someone, your father's blessed. Tell someone else, your father's loaded. Your older brother's a Jew. And he's the king of the Jews. <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bless us. Oh, I'm sorry, clueless translation. Who has blessed us with some. Sorry. Every spiritual Blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Beware of ministers that will tie spiritual blessings to you giving money. You give because you are blessed. You are prosperous. Do you know that Joseph was on a slave block standing naked, being, being, uh, being bought by Potiphar, and God had the audacity to write in Exodus 
that while he was standing there being sold, that Joseph was a prosperous man. Why? Because the blessing of Abraham was on him. It says in the Bible, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. If you understand the blessings on you, then that will produce and make natural financial riches by faith when you believe it and speak it. Say, I'm blessed blessed. with the blessing of Abraham. Abraham. How was Abraham blessed? Oh, just spiritual. He was righteous. Poor beggar just traveling around, barely trying to make it. No, he had so much money that Lot had to leave because his herds were mixing with his herds. His piles of gold were mixing with Lot's piles of gold. And they actually had to separate because they had too much stuff. And he was blessed with health. You know he, was having, he had a child at 100. But after Sarah died, he got remarried. And, and he was popping kids out for the next 20 years. <laughs> there was no Viagra. I mean, this is the blessing of the Lord. Did I say that in church? When we live stream, just make sure I... Verse 8. Instead of taking money from you, what did I do? I robbed other churches. I robbed other churches taking wages from them to minister to you. He's using sarc- he's sarcasm. So this is a major sarcasm. He didn't rob any churches. He, he received offerings from the Macedonian churches that sent him an offering while I was in Corinth. But he just used it. He's just really trying to show them how ignorant their stance is. He says, I robbed other churches. Paul had made it his practice not to receive finances from churches he was ministering at, especially when he's preaching the gospel that stage. But he would receive finances from other churches, however. Do you know Billy Graham never received offerings at any of his crusades? Why? Because he never wanted a single person to say, well, that preacher's just in it for the money. I'm not going to receive, you know, I'm not going to receive him because he's a charlatan. No, they, that was totally taken away because he never received an offering at his crusades. Why? He received money beforehand and raised it from the churches and from legitimate means, and that funded the crusades when it came. But when he was, when he was preaching the gospel, it was free so that any obstacle would be removed. He was in it for the people. He didn't want one person to have an excuse of going to hell that he had established, that he had set. Paul said, I will preach freely when I preach the gospel. That was Paul's choice. It wasn't something commanded or even directed by God. Paul said, I choose to do that. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, look at verse 16. Paul's going to bring out that Preaching the gospel was a commission given to him. And he's not going to get For what God's given you a commission for, that's something that you're expected to do. But he's going to talk about, he's going to get a reward one day before the Lord, but that reward is for what he freely did, what he chose of himself to do, and he's going to get a reward. So look at 1 Corinthians 9.16. 
Paul said, if I preach the gospel to unbelievers, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But against my will, I mean, it wasn't my idea. I didn't choose to do it. God called me to it, especially to the Gentiles. I'd rather be with the Jews, not the Gentiles. But he says, but if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. I've been given a stewardship of preaching the gospel. But what is my reward? What what, what am I going to get rewarded for? Not so much preaching the gospel. My reward is that when I preach the gospel, I would present the gospel without charge. That I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. Paul said, I'm going to get rewarded for that. God didn't demand me to do that. So, so Paul, when he first went into an area, he operated as an evangelist. And to remove the motive of money, he, he wouldn't take money. Now, let's balance this off. It is scriptural for a pastor or traveling teacher or preacher to receive offerings from established churches they minister in. God set it up that way. Matter of fact, Paul brought out 1 Corinthians says, those that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. That's an establishment. And so Paul could have easily said, you know, I'm going to receive an offering and for my needs. And that would have been fine with God. He wouldn't have been in trouble with God. But he says, you know what? I don't want anybody to have a stumbling stone put in their way to getting saved. And so I'm going to take it out of the way. And I'm going to end up working with my own hands so that I can make sure the maximum people will get saved. That's the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of people instead of what they get out of it. What's your motive for ministry? We really need to examine that. You know, there was years where I was believing God for, you know, increased crowds to show up. And when I was a singles pastor, I would actually be praying for numbers and believing for numbers. And I would actually, by faith, put out chairs, faith chairs, (laughs) and claim them to be filled in the name of Jesus. (laughs) And the enemy resisted me week after week. I get so frustrated and upset. And God so one day said, why do you want those numbers? <laughs> I couldn't even lie. Like, I just feel, I mean, it, it was for me. If, if you need people and, and, they're not, and their opinions and you need that, you're sick. There's a lot of sick, sick ministers. They're needing people. And finally, when I got to a place when I didn't need people, God said, you're ready. And I, and I said, I'd rather not now. I'm your son. I'm accepted. I know what, if I never did another thing for you, I'm perfectly accepted by you, loved by you. You'll bless me. I don't have to do anything. And then I said, I'd rather not. And he says, I'd rather you would. And out of the love of God, I can minister instead of trying to get something in my soul fixed. There's pastors all over the land. They're, they're pushing to get their churches to grow. I've not prayed, while well, I've been a pastor here, at this, I've not prayed one prayer for the church to grow. I pray for you to grow. And I minister for you to grow. But I leave the growth of the church to the Lord. I, I never spend any money trying to make the church grow, marketing it. I don't do that. It's not my job. And second of all, 
the Lord takes care of that. If I'll, if I'll feed you, the Lord will take care of the rest. Why are you in the ministry? Why are you doing what you're doing? Some of the rarest things on earth is a pure motive. And it takes the Holy Spirit to show us our heart. Because we have blind spots. You know, you all have blind spots. There's things right now you, can, you don't see about yourself that other people can see. We're pretty easy. You can't see. You don't see what you don't see. Matter of fact, you've never seen your face. We have a lack of objectivity with ourself because you've never even seen your own face. Well, sure, I have. I look at it in the mirror. No, you've seen a reflection. But you've never fully looked at your own face. That means there's blindness when it comes to you. That's why you need a spouse. <clears throat> to help you see what you don't see. And if that doesn't work, children helps. <clears throat> you have a true friend say, well, okay, be, be honest. Tell me what I don't want to hear. And then you get mad at them and you don't talk to them for two weeks. He said, I took wages from them to minister to you. The Corinthians should have provided this pay. Look at the word taking wages. Look at the word wages. Actually, it's a very specific Greek word. It's a soldier's pay. It's a pay that you would give a, gave a soldier for operating in the military. It's the soldier's pay. This brings out in 1 Corinthians 9, 7 that no one goes to the warfare on their own expenses. God takes care of those he sends out on campaign, but God uses people. God doesn't have printing presses in heaven. He's not up there counterfeiting $20 bills, $100 bills, $1,000 bills. He doesn't have a printing press in heaven. He uses people. And so that's why it's so important that you give to ministries is because that's God's way of supporting the ministry. The, the message is free, but to get it there, it takes finances. And so our giving is to, is, we're, we're being used by God to channel those in the ministry to do warfare. When Paul first arrived in Corinth, he worked to pay for his needs. He did this so that he wouldn't be a burden to the church. And so for a time, the ministry was not ready for him to take a full-time salary. He wasn't prepared. When you first start out in ministry, oftentimes it's not big enough for you to take a full-time salary. Now, we've all heard about Andrew Womack, remember, and he thought it was a sin to be in ministry and to work, and he could cause all kinds of trouble with his marriage and wife, and she was pregnant, and they would go two weeks without eating, and he says, I was the worst, I mean, that's worse than an infidel almost, not taking care of your own. But, he had, but, but Paul worked because he was driven by need to work, and there's times that in ministry, you'll need to have a side, a side job. For years, I've had to work outside and the church wasn't to the place where it could handle this. And so, so, I so I wouldn't overburden the church. I worked on the side. Now, I still do some side stuff, but I'm full-time now here at the church. But it's now big enough to where it can handle and not being a burden, and I can be a greater blessing. 
But there was years that it would be more of a burden than a blessing. And so you may have to do W-O-R-K. <laughs> well, Pastor, you're just golfing now, right? You, no, no. Ministry spelled W-O-R-K. But you may have to work on the side. But, but there was a time when the churches of Macedonia, the Philippian church and the Thessalonican church, sent a uh, huge offering to Paul, and all of a sudden, it freed him up to be able to go full-time. I want you to see something in Acts 18, look at verse 5. Until that time, he was pressed by financial need to work outside the ministry. But when the money came, enough money came, let me say what pressed him. It wasn't, it wasn't a need, financial need, it was something else that pressed him. Acts 18, verse 5, look at the New King James. It says, when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was and they, and they brought an offering. Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Actually, most Greek translations and manuscripts doesn't have the word pneuma, spirit. It has the Greek word logos, word. Let me read, the, read this out of the ASV, the Authorized Standard Version. But when Silas and Timothy came down with the offering... Paul was constrained by the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. So he was, he was constrained by need to work, but when the finance, full finances came in, then he was pressed by the word of God, by the ministry, and he was compelled to go full-time in ministry. And Paul ministered the word full-time. Look at verse 9. And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one, for what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I will keep myself. And so Paul said, for what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. He was working, but he said there was still some lack in my life. There were some things I wanted that I couldn't have, some nice things I wanted. But it says the things I lacked, although he was working, the things I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. There might be some lack in your life right now, but a supply is coming. Tell someone your supply is coming. And in everything, say everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. You need to realize that when you get in ministry. When you pastor a church, when you travel as a teacher, or in any ministry that you are, you're here as a servant, not to be served. Every traveling minister needs to see this verse and heed it. Often a traveling minister will put many demands on their host. Now I've been around the block for a few times, and I've been in a large church and been part of stuff, and I've seen ministers come in. One minister demanded when he got picked up at the airport, that his car, that his, health, that his staff members be in a separate car than him. And when they're traveling to the church, their car was never to get in front of his car. I'm real deal, real deal. And then they hardly want to talk to anybody, demand everything, the temperature and their, their spritzy water. And they go out and they need three ice cubes, not two, not four, I need three. All this other stuff, and they put all those demands. 
Don't do that. Don't do that. He says, I was not a burden to you, and I'm going to keep myself that way. Verse 10. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. It's not wrong to speak the truth about yourself as long, in a positive light as long as you're not putting others down. And you're speaking what God's done in you. No one will stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. That's where Corinth was. Look at verse 11. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows. This brings out that Paul was not boasting that it would benefit him. He was boasting because that's all you're going to listen to. That's all you're going to listen to. I'd rather not. I hate this more than anything, but I'm going to talk about me and my qualifications, what God has done in my ministry. I'm hating every minute of it, but I'm doing it all for you. And then some even had to say, because Paul didn't receive anything from the Corinthians, it's because he didn't love them. Really? It's amazing how many people can accuse you of bad intentions no matter what you do. If you get your eyes on people, man, it's, gonna, it'll, it'll, it's going to wrap you around. Round and around and around and around you go. Be led by the word and the spirit and let people think what they think. You'll stand before how many people one day? One, your Lord. Please him. Verse 12. But what I do, I will continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. Paul said, I'm going to cut off the opportunity It seems clear that the false teachers expected, demanded, and received money from the Corinthians like most teachers of the day. Paul was determined to continue his policy of not receiving money from the believers in Corinth. If the false teachers wanted to engage in boasting to match with them, let them follow his policy. Verse 13. Okay, here, here, here this is where, God, where he really lays it all open, and this is just a shocker. It was a shocker to them and a shocker to us. These weren't even Christians. These guys were bad dudes. The ones you've been listening to, the ones you've been supporting, the ones you've been given over to, ministers of the devil. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. They were false apostles. You know what an apostle means? A sent one with authority. They weren't sent ones. They were went ones. <laughs> Tell someone, be a sent one, not a went one. <laughs> Don't send yourself. They sent themselves. They were deceitful workers. The actual goal of the false teachers was different than what they told the Corinthians it were. They were their own selfish motives for the good, not for the good of the church. These false teachers secretly wanted to steal Christ from the Corinthians, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. This Greek word means to outwardly change the appearance, but not change the inside. 
They transformed themselves. They called themselves and took it upon themselves to do what they're doing. Many are doing that today. You know what religion is? Religion is about transforming yourself. You know what true Christianity is? Is when you behold the glory of the Lord, the Spirit transforms you from the inside out. Verse 14. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself in the angel of light. You know, if the devil showed up in your bedroom, he would not be wearing a red pajama suit <laughs> with a pitchfork. <laughs> He's going to be a glowing creature. And you'll get the goose pimples and the glowing light. And you'll speak softly, but carry a big stick. Satan transforms himself. That, that means an outward show only. This brings out the fact that all that sparkles and dazzles is of God. Satan has three forms that he comes to tempt men in, in the Bible. Three forms. The subtle serpent, the roaring lion, and the angel of light. He often comes as the angel of light when he persuades men to do things under the name of religion. You know that Satan is not, is not any more devilish than when he comes wearing a white collar and a Bible. Satan acts like he's from God. Nothing can be further from the truth. This brings out that the false apostles that came to Corinth had satanic backing. Verse 15, we'll end here. Therefore, it is of no great thing if his ministers, Satan's ministers. Who were these guys? Were they from the Lord? Were they, they were Satan's ministers. Transform themselves in the ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. So he pulls back the curtain and lets them know, you've been listening to ministers of Satan. How did the Corinthians get it so wrong as to accept ministers of Satan as ministers of God? It was because they didn't know Jesus intimately in his nature. You know, Jesus is not showy. He's not a braggart. Jesus is not demanding. He's not heavy-handed. The teachers were all this. And they were impressed. These guys. What's Jesus? He's humble, serving, gentle, and his burden is light. He's humble and meek. The Corinthians accepted these false ministers because they did not know Jesus very well. The Jesus of religion is angry, demanding, and heavy-handed. Religion is all about self-transformation. Christianity is about being transformed by grace and faith. How could these Corinthians get off so badly as to reject the true apostle God sent them for ministers of Satan? It's because they delighted more in the manifestations of the Spirit than the Word of God. Out of all the churches, this church was in love with the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. 
And I'm not saying we shouldn't love the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But if you love the manifestations of the Holy Spirit more than you love the Word of God, you open yourself up to the false because you have no standard to judge what's true and right, what's right and wrong. You have no benchmark. You're left with your, ooh, oh. Ooh, ah, wow. When you delight more in the manifestation of the Spirit than the Word of God, you're open to major deception. Do you know out of all of Christendom, the ones that fall into the greatest error in, in some areas is charismatic? Because, they're so, because, the, because the enemy's a judo master. Whatever, you, whatever you're moving towards the fastest, he can actually use that against you and throw you. And the more you're going after just the gifts, the gifts, the gifts, do you have a word? Do you have a word? Do you have a word, brother? What's the word? What's, you got a word? You got a word? You got a vision? You got a dream? What, I got a word for you. It just came to me. Bible. <laughs> Bible. Well, no, I want to hear God audibly. Read it out loud. Now, God will use the gifts of the Spirit, but don't go seeking them. Let the Lord do it when he wants to do that. He'll give you a vision, give you a dream, give you a visitation. That's all. But don't be seeking them constantly. Be seeking the word by faith in the inward witness and let the Lord add guidance, beyond, secondary guidance beyond that. But if all you're doing is seeking manifestations, you'll be open for all kinds of stuff. False angelic visitations. I have a friend, I led her to the Lord. And for, for time there, he would always talk to me every night. The angels would show up and share information. You couldn't, there's nowhere in the Bible. Matter of fact, it was against scripture. And they gave their names. Do you know this angel? Did you know? I said, dude, you're, you're being deceived. Oh no, it's, these are angels. No, 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 they're demons. whose end will be according to their works, the lake of fire. So how do we not get, how, how are we not going to get off? You need to know the Lord Jesus through the word. Know the word, the word, the word. Be, be grounded in the word. Some day, some, one day, Pastor, I'm almost done. Someone came up to Pastor Gandhi and said, you know your problem is you're word bound. Thank you. Thank you. I'm grounded to the word. Yeah, thank you. Well, well, they weren't trying, they were saying, no, you need to get out of the word and be open to move on beyond the Bible. And let the spirit take you to new frontiers where man has not gone before. <laughs> Love the spirit but put the word first place. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. That we choose to know you in this word and be grounded in this word. And we thank you that the gifts of the spirit confirm the word. And we'll know the word, know you through the word. And we will not be able to be deceived because we know the truth so well, the genuine so well. Anything that's not like the genuine, we'll know it immediately. 
Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, I believe I got this word in the back there. My word is the breath of life. Believe my word. It's the avenue to the supernatural working in your life. I was the word and still am. My name is Jesus. I don't know what this is for, but the Lord gave me this word. It's for someone who's here for Caris Bible College. You may be enrolled. Are you thinking, did I make the right choice? And there's some, you came, and you say, you're just checking this out. You're just on the fence right now. But God said, I brought you here. But fear is just, is, you're thinking about what you left from home and what Pastor Gregory talked about last week. But the Lord said, I brought you here. And he gave me the scripture to share. And it's in Psalms 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. Brother and sister, God is the one who's guiding you. And it's fe- if you're fearful, like, should, should I go home back or should I? Is it the right choice? You make the right choice. I don't know who is this for. If this is for you, just lift up your hands. Oh, hey, I see the hand. See the hands. Can you just come up here? Pastor Rick is okay. We want to pray with you and agree with you. Please come up to the front. So I was just... Um the last song that they sang, How Great Is Our God, I was just thinking about how great is our God. And, and if we could all really think about that and um, just thinking about the prosperity message that God has for us, an infinite amount of resources. And if we can get grasp his goodness and how much he wants to provide for us. I think a lot of people don't realize that he wants us, his believers, to have Um, everything that he has to offer. And once we get a hold of that, then that's when we get to start really kingdom building. We get to sow it into other people's lives. And so thinking about like, for instance, health, um, you know, I think if you have a lot of health issues or something and you're starting to pray for people, God can use you and he can heal those people. But People might start looking at, you know, people that have a lot of health that are, are believing in, you know, I believe in health. But they're looking at you thinking, why are you dealing with all this? And so I think part of it is if we can really start believing it for ourselves, you know what? I should not be living in this, you know, these these issues. I shouldn't be living in poverty. I shouldn't be living in, in um, yeah. And I believe if we really can grasp that, then now we get to start sowing in people's lives because they're seeing us like, wow, they actually are living in what they believe in and what God is offering. So, um, yeah, that's the message. 